if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right. It is eight minutes after 10 o'clock. As we get into hour number two on this free for all Friday, it's the 30th and final morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2021. Thanks again to State Senator Andrew Brenner for joining us. And thanks uh, uh, to you for listening. Uh, I want you to be a part of the show now at 216-901-0945. There's a ton of stuff to get into. 888 The next... Uh, <clears throat> 22 minutes are all are all yours if you want them but i am going to start uh with some audio that i think you're going to want to hear and by the way at 10:35, christina egg and former ohio state representative will be joining us as well we talk often uh and with very good reason about what is being done to our kids uh we talk about it at the uh junior high level we talk about it even at the elementary level now k through eight uh k through six rather than junior high then of course high school but if of course, it's been going on for years and years that the leftist universities have been trying to take all of the great family lessons and love of country and uh, embracing of opportunity that this great country provides that you have given your kids through the first you know, 12 years of their schooling, and they try to erase it at the collegiate level with, with indoctrination of kids into a belief that this country is racist or this country is uh, is bigoted, that this country is unjust, that it is white supremacist, and all the things we talk about. <clears throat> this is interesting, though. A Zoom recording of a, an online lesson, because it's California, of course, and nobody is allowed to greet one another in person in California pretty much ever. In California, at a college called Cypress College, down in Southern California, during a Zoom lesson, a uh, professor took a student to task for daring to call police heroes. During a communications class, Braden Ellis gave a presentation about cancel culture and why it is so destructive in tearing our country apart. First of all, major kudos for this kid for even daring to do such such a thing. Seriously. In California in 2021, to take on cancel culture is to risk being canceled. So he's got guts, and I give him credit for that. As a matter of fact, I'll give him a... Can you dig it? That's the highest praise I give on this show. If I bust out a can you dig it, they did something terrific. So this kid, this uh, Braden Ellis, during the communications class, talks about the danger of cancel culture and how destructive it is. 
He told the Daily Wire that during his presentation, his speech, he mentioned how activists attempted to cancel the children's show Paw Patrol in light of the anti-police movement stemming from the Black Lives Matter, Inc. Marxist movement, right? Now, Paw Patrol is, to be honest, I'm not terribly familiar because I think that one came in after my children stopped watching the children's shows. In other words, when my kids were born... Uh, and, uh, you know, in their youngest years, of course, I would watch these shows with them and, and talk about them with them. And it was just, some of it was cute. Some of it was mind numbing, but I remember a lot of the shows. Um, oh, for goodness sakes. Um, I'm going to try to name some of them. The Wiggles, <laughs> Bear in the Big Blue House. Um, what was the other one about the little superhero baby pets? Um, Wonder Pet, Wonder Pets. That was one of the ones I remember. Paw Patrol, I don't recall from my kids being uh, babies and young, you know, really young children in the early 2000s. But I do know what it is. It is about um, animals who are police officers. The Paw Patrol. They help people. They protect people. They serve people. Get it? Protect and serve. So because they are about police, in a manner of speaking, uh, these, this program rather is about police, in a manner of speaking, it's got to go, according to cancel culture. Following the death of George Floyd at the hands of activists, or excuse me, at the hands of a police officer, according to the way the jury read it, uh, professors, activists, and journalists alike took to social media to decry Paw Patrol and said it was bad for reinforcing the idea to children that police can be helpful. Now, the student, just just to give the can you dig it to, Braden Ellis says that his professor allotted a 10-minute question-and-answer session for students to respond to the presentation. The professor took the designated time to scold the student for his views. I want you to listen to this exchange. It's about three minutes long. I may indeed stop it to opine as you as you listen here, but this is about a three-minute portion of the 10-minute segment, and I want you to listen. Now, I get to view it because it's a Zoom call, so I get to see her face. You don't. But I can tell you in looking at it, and maybe you can hear it in her voice, she's literally shaking with rage at this student. You can see her face just kind of twitching. You can kind of just see that she's clenched, and she is just enraged that the student is defending Paw Patrol as a way of defending police, which she finds to be reprehensible. And I don't know if you can hear it in her voice or not, but let's give it a listen. Right. So uh, you brought up the police in your speech a few times. Um, So what is your like, what is your main concern? Since, I mean, honestly, the whole reason police, I mean, it is systemic. The issue is systemic because the whole reason we have police departments in the first place, where did it stem from? What's our history going back to what Jeremy was talking about? What, What does it stem from? It stems from people in the South. Wanting to capture runaway slaves. All right, I'm going to stop it right there for obvious reasons. The first thing that a leftist professor thinks of when she sees a police officer is a slave catcher. That's her first go-to default uh, mindset. Well, how did police begin? Slave catching. Well, guess what? There are police officers in every civilized nation Every nation, every nation has police officers. Every nation's police officers didn't begin with slave catching, number one. And number two, 
What difference does it make when we're talking about hundreds of years ago versus what modern-day policing is? And you know what modern-day policing is? Saving lives, protecting persons and property. But she sees it from the beginning, the start of her conversation as police. Paw Patrol! Oh my goodness, we can't have that. Don't you know that that started as slave patrol, slave catching? This is, this is the mindset of the left. And this is the mindset they want millions of graduates every year to take into the world with them. That police are evil, racist slave catchers. And because that's how it started so many centuries ago, because of that, any police officer wearing a badge today sees a black person sees what? A runaway slave. Got to get him. Got to get him. That's the mindset she is portraying here as she questions the student about his presentation. We'll continue. Maybe they shouldn't be heroes. Maybe they don't belong on a kid's show. Okay, that's not the student who did the presentation. That's another student offering his opinion. Of course, trying to curry favor with his far-left cop-hating professor. Maybe they're not heroes that shouldn't be on a kid's show. Uh, so I disagree with the what Jeremy, Jeremy said about it because uh, I think cops are heroes and they have to have a difficult job, but we have to have all of them. Life. Oh, I, I, not I mean I'd say uh, a good majority of them. You have bad people in every business and every yeah, part. Yeah, well, wait, a wait, lot wait, of wait, wait, police wait. officers have committed an atrocious crimes and have gotten away with it and have never been convicted of any of it. And, and I say this with a person who has family members. Who are police officers? Yes, I, I, I understand. Um, and this is what I believe. This is my opinion. And this is you know, not popular to say, but uh, I do support our police. We have bad people, and the people that do bad things should be brought to justice. I agree with that. But I think that – uh, say, I'm saying it again. They haven't. Well, I agree with you on that point of they should, right? So what is your bottom line point? You're saying police officers should be revered, viewed as heroes? They belong on TV shows with children? I think they are heroes in a sense because they come to your need and they come and help you. And they have a problem just like every other business, but we should fix that. But I think they're they're heroes. I think that's the problem is looking at it as a business. Because they're actually supposed to protect and serve the people. They do protect us. What do we call when we're in trouble and someone has a knife or a gun? We I call wouldn't call the police. the police. Why wouldn't you call the police? I don't trust them. My life's in more danger you call? in their presence. Professor, who would you call? I'm going to pause it there. I'm going to rewind it. I want you to hear that again. This leftist California professor says that she wouldn't call the police if she were being attacked with a knife or a gun that her life would be in more danger in the presence of the police than it would be with somebody who's attacking her with a knife or a gun. This is a person who is charged with teaching, forming the mindsets of young adults in college classes. I don't trust them. My life would be in more danger in their presence than with the criminal who is assaulting me with a knife or a gun. You heard protect her. Protect and serve the people. They do protect us. What do we call when we're in trouble and someone has a knife or a gun? We I call wouldn't call the police. police. Why wouldn't you call the police? I don't trust them. My life's in more danger. Who would you call? In their presence. Professor, who would you call? 
I wouldn't call anybody. Well, would you have, if someone intruded your house with a gun, what would you, would you have a gun on you or no. what would you call? No, it's my time to go. Okay. okay. Well, I'm not going to be in your house with a gun. There's not much you can do at that point. Calling the police is kind of just, you know. And I know that it's not popular for me to say that to you guys and, and people in here, but that's what I believe about the police. Okay. And, thank you. I appreciate um, it. Thank you, thank guys, you very much. for listening to my point. I appreciate it. Thanks. Of course, she didn't really listen to his point. She interrupted him every fourth syllable to talk about how evil and untrustworthy the police, those slave patrol catchers, are. So she really didn't even listen to him. But she couldn't get him to shut up fast enough. Here's the last 20 seconds. I will say, yeah, I'm glad you did say that, even if I disagree with you. It's important. Yeah, that and we should fight for the right for people to say things that we don't even like. Right. I may not agree with what you say, but I'll fight for your right to say it. Amen. Within some Amen. extent, I'll say. Okay, folks. We are. That was the other student who said maybe police shouldn't be viewed as heroes and on TV shows for kids. That was the first student who spoke. Um, no such acknowledgement from the professor at the end of yes, you have absolutely a right to express, and we can have this debate. She wanted him shot down immediately. She shut him down as quickly as she could. She interrupted his points as soon as he started to make them. And then she just flat out said it. She would rather die than call the police for help. She was asked, what would you do if somebody was threatening you with a knife or a gun? Would you call the police? Nope. Who would you call? She said, no one. He said, would you have a gun yourself? She said, nope. She would rather become a victim than call police. That was her point of view. She's teaching to these college students. I wonder how her point of view might change if she was the victim of an ongoing violent crime. I'm wondering if this woman was being violated by a violent break-in criminal. And in the course of that violation and the ongoing anguish and pain of her, uh, of her uh, assault that she is suffering through, whether he's beating her, whether he's doing other terrible things to her, I wonder if she had ever, would ever at one point think, I only wish I could reach my cell phone so I could call the police. Or if she would say, nope, I'm just going to endure the beating. I'm going to endure the violation, whatever it may be, because my life is in more danger with a police officer present. I wonder if that's what it would take for people like this to understand. Now, it should go without saying that, of course, I never want that to happen to anyone ever. But it seems as though... These armchair quarterbacks, these armchair police officers who judge everything a cop does from the comfort of their own room, it seems as though maybe if they were in a given situation, or perhaps if they went on a ride-along and observed given situations, that's the only way they change their points of view. If it happens to them, or if it happens to someone they love. Or, again, if they can just ride along and observe police officers protecting and serving. But that's the mentality that goes on inside of some of these college classrooms. 1022, we'll be back. Okay, it is 1027. Let's go to TJ in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Is it just me, Bob, or do all these liberal women all sound the same? They have the same voice, 
the same inflection in their voice. <laughs> they kind of do. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, this would be like a farmer saying, we're getting rid of all our sheepdog. Because every once in a while, that dog bites somebody innocent. So we're going to get rid of all of them. The wolves that have a heyday. You know, these people are nuts, Bob. And, you know, these people, and you had one that called into your show talking about this uh, policeman in, in Cincinnati. Couldn't he have shot him in the hand? Columbus, Couldn't he have yeah. shot him in the arm? I would like to see them with some large human being bearing down on them with a knife ready to thrust it, and they shoot him in the arm or shoot him in the leg. I would love to see these people in the situation that these police are put in and then come and make calls on your show or get on TV, these talking heads, and start criticizing what the police do. These people make me sick, Bob. I I just can't believe. And this is what's teaching our children. That's the point. That's my point. You know, it's one. And thank you for the call, my friend. This is why, by the way, Marxism believes in full public education all the way through college to get the kids away from the parents who might teach them differently, to get the kids away from parents who might teach them values. Now, I'm not kidding. Marx and Engels wrote this in the Communist Manifesto. We have to have people like this teaching our kids or we'll never get them to go along with our vision, which is, of course, totalitarianism. Jeff in Beachwood next. Hi, Jeff. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. I think we're uh, we're missing the boat here. I don't believe for one minute that they think we don't need police. They just don't want us to be in charge of our police. What we need to solve this problem is an organization that will get protect the backs of policemen, defend them in all these kind of court cases that are brought up, to let them know that they should not retire, they should not quit. We need them, and the only thing that the, they're, they're trying to do on the left is get rid of local control of police so they can federalize it, and we'll have a KGB, and we'll have a Stasi, and we'll have that. They know that we need police. Don't believe them for one minute when they say, we don't need police. They know we need police, but they want it to be their police, not our police. And the um, only way... Well, what does their police look like? Guys, hold, hold, on, hold on, my friend, Jeff. What does their police look yeah. like? A federal, just like the TSA became federal... And the people who who, uh, who meet us at the airport are federalized. We'll have federalized police, and they will dictate from above but, what but we should do. But there already is they, there already is federalized police, and they hate that too. That's, and I'm talking about ICE. I'm talking about I'm talking about federal cops, FBI agents, ICE agents. These are federal police officers. They want yeah. those things gone too because they also believe that they target minorities. And actually, they don't believe it. They just know that in order to yeah. advance their their total <clears throat> full socialist control uh, or, or or Marxist control, if you will, that the people need to be a divided and be fearful. And uh, and what better way to make them fearful and looking to the government for help than to take away their protectors? And then they will put in their own protectors. And that's the point. There will be their protectors. But they want it to be theirs. So they, they, want they want them to be Gestapo. They, they, want it, they want them to be exactly. secret police. Okay, okay, I got right. you. I they got want you. to get... And so we got to protect our policemen. Tell them, don't quit. We will defend you. We will get you the best lawyers. We will not bankrupt you. We will support you so you don't lose your pension. They got to know... That, they're, that the people like us are on their side, and we need rich people, we need organization to, and to get out there, and not only for police, but for all these people that get fired from but Apple. Here's, here's, here's the thing, Google though, Jeff, Jeff listen, I, I love that you are solution-oriented here, and I mean that, and thank you for the phone call. I mean that. I love that you were thinking we've got to convince them not to quit. 
because we'll do this, we'll get them lawyers, and so on and so forth. But there's no lawyers, and there's no funds, and there's no people, pers- you know, uh, public support that's going to stop a cop who is being uh, called to a domestic disturbance issue to be ambushed, to be shot and killed, or to be be beat, to be beaten into a coma. These things are happening with regularity. Because the anti-cop mood in this country is leading to that, and there's no amount of public support or you know, lawyers that can stop that. And that's why I will tell you this. I've got a 17-year-old kid who's going into college uh, in a few months, and he's talked in the past, at least, about wanting to maybe be a police officer. I love cops, and I have told him, no way. Not in this country, not right now. No way. And you know who agrees with me? Cops. I'll be right back. Have a question for Bob? A comment? A complaint? Hit up the authority message line. Call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216-525-1806. Call the authority message line. Good advice indeed. Thanks for joining us. It's 1036. We'll get back to your phone calls after we have our regular Friday conversation now and get some commentary on the news of the day from former Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan, who missed last week and provided us with the best possible fill-in that she could, which is her father. <laughs> Christina, it's good to have you back on the program. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Good morning, Bob. Good advice, by the way. Your dad was great. He, yeah, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, as you can see. We've been really blessed to have parents that have been very engaged and all things going on in our communities and where we learned it. We learned to be the safeguards of our values because if we don't, no one will. Very well said. And uh, your dad and I talked last week, for those who missed it, about uh, the lawsuit that I spoke actually with Dan uh, Reganold earlier this week about. Dan has filed a lawsuit against the State of Ohio Board of Education over critical race theory, not necessarily specifically over the uh, um, uh, availability of that curricula to schools uh, all over the state, but the fact that the public cannot be heard to discuss whether or not this is appropriate to be made available to the schools. They basically cut off, did the uh, Board of Education President Laura Kohler and others, any debate or dissent on issues involving race. Uh, so John Hagan and I talked about that last week. Christina Hagan, I'd like to follow up with you now about this because as I talked to Dan Regenhold, um, you know, uh, th- this is unconstitutional. It violates literally the own policies and procedures of uh, the um, uh, Ohio State Board of Education uh, guidelines, and or guideline or manual or whatever it is you want to call it. It also violates the Constitution and the ORC. The public has a right to consult with our educators, including the state school board, about what our kids are going to learn. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's unconscionable that they would not be hearing testimony from all walks of life, from all perspectives on this issue. It's very clear that they are intentionally um, hiding the reality of what this very harmful and detrimental policy holds. And, you know, taking somebody like the plaintiff um, and the former witness, Daniel Reginald, having him on was an excellent idea. He'd obviously be expert not only about his own personal testimony, but about the case. Um, but it's clear that his First and Fourteenth Amendment rights are being denied in a public policy forum where he should have every right uh, to present his ideas and the background on why this is bad policy for Ohio. And I just look at this as this is filed in the U.S. District Court. Um, and I thank God that Ohio's uh, citizens 
are pressing forward to have their rights sustained. And I think about other states like Idaho that are enacting laws to protect our children in the classroom from this intensely discriminatory policy being crammed down the throats of not only um, the state leaders, but our most vulnerable populations. And as you know, Bob, I was out last week um, touring elementary schools for my daughter. And the reason I'm doing that as a parent is to see what kind of things are making into the classroom because our children are our most important work and our most precious commodity in this country. And when you think about the fact that they're being taught um, race essentialism, they're being taught that they have unconscious bias against others, that they're com- that they as children are um, committing microaggressions toward others, that there's systemic racism, white privilege, collective guilt, neo-segregation happening, and they're doing this as early as in pre-K and all of the places where they're looking to expand education. I mean, if you were listening to Biden, you're seeing all the ways the federal government is trying to grow and crush our individual lives and be mm-hmm. a part of our lives, and that all comes at an extremely high cost. Um, the one that costs us um, the very important work of the civil rights movement. I mean, if you think about the anti-discrimination laws that we've had in this country since the 60s, this particular work that's being done by the left and very um, covertly in a lot of ways is replacing the colorblind ideal or colorblind ideal that was fought for and treating all people the same and equally regardless of differential and color skin or appearance. And instead... We're taking the crowning achievement of the civil rights movement and we're crushing it and saying you now have to apologize for your skin color. And worse, there will be reparations. Worse, you will carry and you should have guilt for what happened um, far before your lifetime. It is wildly inappropriate. It's disgusting that our children are being treated this way. And it's just it's the opposite of removing discrimination in our schools. It's actually creating it. Yeah, I you know, Christina, are you still there? I heard a kind of a scratch as if a interference, which sometimes bounces back or sometimes ends the call. And I think she's gone. Uh, let's go ahead, Marcy, and try to reestablish the connection with uh, Christina Hagen, because I wanted to follow up on her last point there. Would you ever imagine, could you ever imagine, that you'd ever see the day when progressives or anyone else would actively seek to cancel, in a cancel culture, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because what she just said amounts to the cancellation of Dr. King and the 1964 Civil Rights Act. His belief, she's back? Okay, good. Uh, 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 Christine Hagen, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I, I was just uh, kind of uh, following up on your last point there to say, Could you ever imagine in your lifetime that you would see a day in which the cancel culture would literally attempt to cancel Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Because that's exactly what critical race theory does. It says to be colorblind is to be wrong, is to be racist, to be part of the problem. You cannot see people for just their content of their character or or, or who they are. You must see them as what they look like. First things first. Brown skin, oppressed. White skin, oppressor. It's canceling Dr. King. It's literally the opposite of his dream. It is. It's, it gives me goosebumps and it's heartbreaking and chilling, honestly. And I, I think of somebody who is such a profound leader, and now we elevate criminals. Um, now we elevate those who are breaking the law instead of those who created a pathway for all to have opportunities like Martin Luther King did. And I'm going to read you just 
a brief excerpt here from um, the legislator from Idaho who just um, worked on and got a bill passed. It was Representative Carl Crabtree, and he said that this legislation prevents educators from making students affirm, adopt, or adhere to belief systems that claim individuals of any race, sex, ethnicity, religion, or national origin are responsible for past actions done by members of the same group. Um, he then also said it prohibits educators from forcing students into belief systems that claim a group of people as defined by sex, race, ethnicity, or religion are inferior or superior to others. This feels like common sense of anybody who doesn't have malice in their heart, and yet we're having to codify these things to protect our children so that we can, like Martin Luther King, sustain the idea of being colorblind, of treating all people with decency and respect that they deserve. Well, you're you're exactly right. It is common sense, and uh, that is why they want uh, no discussion and no debate, which is why this lawsuit has been filed so that they can try, so that uh, parents and citizens can try to bring common sense to uh, a discussion that uh, they know will be, you know, their side will be destroyed by that very common sense. You mentioned Joe Biden and his speech the other night in part of your comments just now, Christina. So let me ask you this. Uh, now that we are at the 100-day mark, first of all, we all ought to be able to drop our masks because Joe Biden said when he was running and when he uh, won uh, that uh, or put one in quotation marks um, that uh, just wear masks for 100 days my first 100 days then we'll have crushed this thing and we'll all be good to go so now that we're at 100 days we all ought to be able to drop our masks forever and number two I'm just interested in your analysis of the first 100 days of the Biden administration well since you brought on the mask Bob I'll say it is alarming to me the political theater that's going on, not just by Democrats, but also by our colleagues in the Republican Party. I mean, you look at that chamber, and I think it's time for Republicans to stand on truth. And the reality is all of them were in that room um, where the president was presenting, wearing a mask to the podium, masked with uh, his cohorts behind him, equally socially distanced. But the entire chamber, socially distanced at six feet, distance per person all wearing masks they and don't vaccinated. believe the science yes exactly all wearing masks and vaccinated they don't believe the science that they expect the american people to adhere to and they say the effectiveness and safety is there the vaccines yet they're still wearing the mask suggesting that it is not effective because they're all vaccinated so it's just crazy it's more of this radical liberal agenda that if they can't control you by these sorts of mechanisms like the masking Um, then they're not going to have control. The the reality is we have a boring president on purpose who's supposed to make us feel safe while the radical agenda is sweeping our country. We have President Biden, like I said, almost incoherent at times throughout the speech and easily trailing off toward the end of the speech with a lack of, um, I think, physical ability to deliver his remarks. The reality is we have a border crisis. We have the largest federal government power grab that we've ever seen in history that he presented like a lamb. He presented the most expansive spending that our country has ever seen, that $10 trillion package. And people say, oh, no, no, it's just $6 trillion. Oh, yeah, it's just $6 trillion. That should be a relief. Yeah, but the right. reality is it's $10 trillion. That's $4 trillion aside from the normal budget. Um, they're having girls and boys sports. They want D.C. statehood. They want court packing. They want to end the filibuster. They're attacking our election systems, our free and fair elections. They are pushing climate change through an infrastructure package. You know, they say they're rescuing the American people. Um, their, their original $2 trillion package 
that had less than 1% going to vaccinations was supposed to be the safe haven for us. And now they have so many more great ways to spend our money and save us from ourselves and make the federal government all powerful and mighty, um, like the American Family Plan with more and more public education, which is already not meeting the mark for making us competitive with countries that Joe Biden says, quote unquote, want to eat our lunch. Um, his Build Back Better program, less than 6% goes to actual roads and bridges. The American people are plain and simple being lied to. And they are using Joe Biden as the weekend at Bernie's president. They might as well put black glasses on him, put his arms around Pelosi and around Harris and march him up to the stage because he's saying things that Americans want to hear. But the reality is they are doing the utter destruction of this country right before our eyes. It's, it's disturbing. It is indeed all of those things. Great analysis. And in the minute and a half I have left, I'm going to ask you about something a little bit off the wall. Not really off the wall, but uh, that Senate seat that we know is going to be heavily competed for on the Republican side in a primary between the likes of Mike Gibbons and Josh Mandel. Excuse me, Bernie Moreno. These are all uh, confirmed candidates. Jane Timken, uh, but J.D. Vance may or may not get involved in this thing. There's going to be a heavy, heavy uh, number of uh, candidates on the Republican side. So far, only one has stepped forward to try to turn that red seat blue on the uh, Democrat side, and it's your old pal Tim Ryan. Your thoughts on his uh, candidacy for the <laughs> Senate seat? I wouldn't really call us pals. Uh, Yeah, Tim, I think he said, hey, bud, or something when we were up on the debate stage together. And I I don't hang out with those who wish to destroy our country. Um, But I'm sure he's a nice guy when he's got a beer in his hand. But Tim is um, running for United States Senate. It is clear that he knows after only a seven and a half point differential with a candidate who had half the budget to spend that he did. Although his district was cut, drawn, and made for him nearly two decades ago, he could barely sustain it. He knows that he will not be electable the next cycle because his district has just become so red with people who understand what's happening in this country and don't agree with his radical policy and, quite honestly, just feel that he has taken a financial ride on the back of the middle-class worker there who has paid for it. Tim will never... United States Senator. In 2022, Democrats will, without question, lose the United States House. There's no way that the Democrats in Ohio are going to pick up a statewide seat. So this will go to whoever the uh, winniest vote getter of the Republican primary is, but it will be a knockout, dragout fight because they want people like Tim Ryan, who are miniature Joe Biden, to pretend to be for the working class, to get up and swing their fist around once in a while when they want to raise money pretend like they're doing something even though they've been there for decades and they are the definition of the problem. Uh, Tim, Tim will, for the first time ever, try to raise money. He will actually have to work, and that's a new concept to him that he hasn't done for decades. So I, I'm not threatened by Tim Ryan, but what I will say is the Democrat Party um, obviously is more strategic in protecting their own and defining the race in advance. As you can see, they've backed down Amy Acton and others. They're making him the lead. Uh, I, I would just reiterate, he is not full of truth. Uh, he says he doesn't want these radical policies, yet he's often the one championing them. But when he's home, he's a good old boy. He talks on the radio about keeping your hunting license and your hunting guns. Um, then he's on the front line in D.C. marching to take them away. So I just wouldn't trust him as far as you can throw him and know that he's not who he says he is. Look at his voting record, and Ohio will not send somebody with his goals. 
Very well said. And by the way, I probably should have mumbled my speech a little bit when I said he was your pal so that you could tell my tongue yeah. was firmly planted in my cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Christine yeah, Hagen, no, I know, I know. As always, a pleasure to uh, speak with you. Terrific analysis. Thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great day. All right, 1051. I've got time for a few phone calls before we're done. If you're on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there right now. We'll come to you next. AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get a couple in. Uh, Navy man Norm in Strongsville, you're up. AM 1420, the answer. Go ahead. Hey, Paul. Bob, um, regarding that California case, that student uh, should have just stopped arguing with her. And when she said that she'd rather die, the student should have said, then die. Then die. Because you won't be missed in plain English. You know, do not cast your pearls before swine. Because arguing with these people is like, you know, arguing with, uh, with a wall or a frog, because you'll get the same response. So, you know, I'm, I'm tired of listening to their tale of woe that the police are slave catchers. You know, so if this, woman wants to, if this woman wants to die, then I would have agreed with her. I would have said, then die, you won't be missed. My but concern, want- Norm, my concern about that situation isn't her opinion that she wouldn't call the police and she would rather let happen whatever happens here. My concern is that this kid has to get a grade. This kid has to write papers in her classic kids. This kid has to do work. And don't tell me for one second that her mind will not be completely filled with his disagreeable commentary and his support for police as she decides whether she makes a B or a C on that paper or a C or a D or holds him accountable in any other way for daring to have a pro-police point of view the fact that these people the fact that these people are in charge of our kids grades their transcripts and thus perhaps their 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 future professional opportunities that's the scary part well i i say right now the parents and the grandparents better get off their butts and get involved with the local school boards and with the local school districts and make damn sure that this critical race garbage is not going to be put into their schools. I don't care if it's under well, that we've, title. We've got, we've got pushing. Yeah, we've got, and thank you, Norm, for the call. We've got pushing going on from a lot of different places, from the courtrooms to yes, the boardroom, the board meetings rather, uh, and parents and grandparents and citizens concerned people do need to be there to speak out. Thank you, my friend, Gary in Olmstead uh, Township. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Hey, Gary. I just wanted to let you know I just got a new job. I am uh, a uh, vaccine police officer. Okay, and uh, so when I come and che- well, I want to check your card, see if you got a vaccine, you better show it to me or hand me a twenty dollar bill. It's one or the other. <laughs> well, and I'm, you know- I'm, do- I'm doing. I'm doing this for my commander-in-chief, uh, Lion China Joe Biden. China Joe with so, the Kung Fu uh, grip. Don't forget that part, Gary. Uh, and yeah, you know what? That's it's funny. I love the joke and I love the line, but you know what? The, the truth is, how would they possibly, possibly enforce any kind of a mandate or a passport, a vaccine passport, without exactly what you said? Exactly that. Vaccine cops being sent around to check people in public places for their papers. And then, yes, how many of them would say, uh, you don't have your passport? Okay, then your, your $20 bill will be a pa- passport. I know you were joking, but you're not wrong. Thank you, my friend, for the call. I appreciate it, Gary. That's all the time I've got for this hour. 
sit around now and listen to Mike Gallagher for an hour. Then I'll be back doing Dennis Prager live from noon to three. We'll see you. Bye-bye.